You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Chris Landry, I'm Dave Hooker. It's been a while. We've been all over the place. I've been in Birmingham, uh, Alabama. So, uh, Chris, it's good to get back in the old routine again. It is, Will Traveler, and um, I can't (laughs) wait to get your uh, thoughts on SEC Media Day and your takeaways from that. And, yeah, a whole bunch to uh, keep you up to date on. Of course, we've... Uh, if you're wanting to, to the details of the minutia, you can find it on LandryFootball.com. But a lot of recruiting information that maybe you may, may have slipped under the radar with the uh, with the media days. But you know, and I, I'm sure you got the feeling. And uh, I, it's it's 365 days a year for me. But I think for most people, most of the public, most of the media, media days is like all right football season it's not here but it is here it's like it's it's the countdown is here and uh, everybody's focusing on it and look week 0 as they like to call it now i mean that's 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 august 24th that's uh what what we sitting here today uh, let's say like 20, i mean we're we're right at a month away so it's it's here my friend it absolutely is so check out landryfootball.com also check out twillery.com and you can use the Locked On promo code get $25 off shirts that you don't have to iron that are very soft. Uh, they've even got an untucked version as well. And it's free shipping, free return. So uh, why not? Give it a shot. There's no question about it. Looking back at SEC Media Day, here are a couple of things that stood out to me, Chris. And uh, one, I think they're, um, I'll go to the West. I think real optimism um, around LSU. Now, this is the media talking. I don't know about mm-hmm. one to eighty, one to eighty-five. You could tell me that uh, better than anybody down there. But th- there seems to be a thought that uh, LSU believes uh, that they are uh, poised to perhaps uh, beat Alabama this year. Now, they still got to score a lot of points. We all know that uh, they like Joe Burrow a lot, and talking to the media members down there. That's one of the things that uh, stood out, kind of uh, sticking in the West. I think uh, uh, people certainly believe that uh, having Jameis Winston was a heck of a bonus, but it wasn't the reason uh, that Jimbo Fisher was able to win a championship at Florida State and that eventually he will get A&M to the championship level. Now, that's two very optimistic views, but that's kind of the way SEC media days is. But talking to reporters who can be a little bit jaded, um, they seem to believe that those two teams won this year in LSU, and then A&M over the next three, four, five years is uh, certainly on the rise. Kind of your thoughts on those two takeaways from the West. Well, I think that, you know, we've talked about A&M. I think their schedule is just so daunting. And so you're going to have the cynics out there when, and I say, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it when AM goes eight and four. And I don't think seven and five is out of the question. People are going to say, Oh, Jimbo, he's not getting it done. Folks, he's getting it done. And I don't know, maybe they pull the upset. If they, if they go nine and three, I, I, I just, I don't know how, I mean, they, they play a schedule that's so difficult. I agree that AM looks like, the program that's that that's doing the best job combination of stability of coaching of how they develop and recruiting better than anybody in the West. That's second to Alabama, of course, uh, even a little bit better. I look at their future a little bit better than LSU, which I think LSU is right now 
ahead of A&M. LSU was more talented than A&M last year. Now, people will focus a lot on, well, it's one game and, you know, the officials and all that calls. Look, I mean, the fact that LSU was, in my opinion, a touchdown uh, better personnel-wise last year, even though it was in College Station, that says a lot about how A&M, I think, is up coach. So uh, I think that that's going to be interesting. LSU, like a lot of teams, better hope Joe Burrow stays healthy because if they don't, um, I think they're probably in maybe the worst situation. Uh, Miles Brennan can play. I think he'll play some this year uh, when they can get him in there, but I think they drop precipitously if he's not in there. So, listen, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I was doing a little – you know, I, I tend to forget because – I well, actually, I don't forget. I don't really pay attention to the preseason rankings – but you know who was, you know, the team around the country that people were, were talking about and ranked in the top five last year? Uh, I, I Again, I, I didn't even remember it because I, I don't put a lot of attention to it. But the team around the country that, that people were picking like fourth in the country and look out because they had won 13 games a year before was Wisconsin. Wisconsin went eight and five. So it's, it's funny. And last year was, you know, LSU. Oh, LSU is going to go, you know, six and six. There's no way in hell LSU with their talent was going to go six and six last year. Never was going to happen in my mind. I don't know that LSU will be quite as good as the hype has given them, but I think that the schedule's favorable enough and they are very talented. There's no doubt that right now they have the second most talent in the West. There's no question about it. And when you look at their talent level, they match up other than Alabama they very well, just from a roster standpoint, Dave, as it starts at the year, 11 and 1 is, is, is to me kind of where you could see them. Now, are they going to go 11 and 1? I don't know. I mean, got to beat AM, got to beat Auburn, uh, got to beat Florida. And by the way, they got a sneaky tough game that no one in the South is going to even know about. Uh, and, and I've mentioned a couple of players from there. We, we talked the SEC here on this podcast. Uh, but I've talked about them on my podcast, um, you know, at LandryFootball.com is Utah State is a really good team with a quarterback that's going to be playing at the next level. And quite frankly, maybe the best quarterback in that game, even better than Joe Burrow. So we'll see how that plays out. And then, you know, of course, Texas, Georgia Southern. I mean, they're going to win, I expect, 9, 10 or 11 in that range, but probably 10 or 11. But I think it's going to be interesting. And then, then Auburn, obviously, is going to be in. We'll talk about them more. Is If they figure out the quarterback situation, that defense can match up. Right now, it's better than A&M's. And uh, right there, uh, defensive line is better than LSU's. So I think we've got four teams in the West that are really good. Everybody's chasing Bama. But we got three teams, Dave, that I think are really good. That I mean, they're maybe top 10 or 12 good if they can stay healthy and in Auburn's case, get good quarterback play. Well, and visiting with Gary Danielson, uh, two of CBS, mm-hmm. he said with, with the way that uh, defenses and uh, you, you know, this are aggressive, athletic, go after the quarterback. A lot of teams better hope it's not the year of the backup quarterback, but I believe <laughs> there were eight, eight quarterbacks that made the trip to Birmingham. Of course, you know, the best or, uh, uh, definitely to and from. And after that, there's kind of a group of four or five that are kind of all, I think, log jam there together. But really, Alabama's probably the only one, according to Gary, and I want to get your thoughts, that could actually 
withstand uh, an injury to their starter and keep most of their goals intact. It would be a blow, don't get me wrong, but I don't know who the backup quarterbacks with all the transferring that we've had. I don't I don't know that the backup quarterbacks can keep you at a championship level at any of those other schools. I agree with you, and I agree with Gary on that. And listen, I think Alabama probably doesn't win. I don't think they win a national championship if Tua goes down, but I think they can win all of their games uh, if, you know, they had to go and they had to play, you know, Mac Jones uh, <clears throat> put in one of the freshmen, hand the football a lot. I think they could get it done. Um, I would t- say this. I think Georgia would be in trouble, you know, if, if Fromm went down because they have, I mean, I, I still think they could beat Notre Dame, but I wouldn't, if I were Georgia, I wouldn't want to have to play Notre Dame without Jake Fromm if he went down. And then all of a sudden, you you know, Florida at Auburn, uh, you know, I, I, I think Georgia might, because of their schedule, be a little bit more vulnerable of the elite teams. And then I think LSU would definitely be vulnerable. A&M would be vulnerable if they lost their starting quarterback. And the others, well, the others are, you know, it's because they don't have maybe as established a guy. Um, I mean, I think Tennessee would, would in, in, in South Carolina, if they lost Garantano and Bentley would be uh, an issue in, in Kelly Bryant at Missouri. Uh, but, you know, I think, I think Florida could be manageable. That's because I think they do a good job with the quarterbacks and they went around Felipe Franks, not because of him. And then, you know, like Ole Miss with Matt Corral. Well, I mean, he's not established and in Mississippi state, it may be going to be Tommy Stevens, but you know, the, the ones that maybe wouldn't be as effective or, or, or as affected would be because they don't have the established quarterbacks. Like, like at Auburn, I mean, they would really, it would hurt them if Bo Nix went down, but you know, they may start Gatewood anyway. I mean, so it, it, in the cases where it's less of an issue, it's because they don't have the established quarterback. So I agree. I think that it's going to kind of shape the direction in a lot of cases, as it does at any, every level of football, the quarterback play and the health of the quarterback is going to have a tremendous impact. So coming up, we have a ton of news to get to. We've done a lot of interviews uh, on the Locked On SEC football podcast. We're going to talk Auburn, South Carolina, Alabama, Mississippi State. <laughs> Pardon me, a recruiting report as well. And into the film room, we will preview Ole Miss. As it's almost here, like uh, Chris was saying, it's about a month ago away. So uh, it's time for ball. Stay tuned. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. This is your Locked On SEC football podcast. More after this. Stay tuned. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. He's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. Got to check out that site. I'm Dave Hooker. We go to Auburn, talk about their quarterback situation. That was certainly a topic of discussion in uh, Hoover, Alabama, uh, as it was SEC Media Days last week. And I, I I think I know where it's going to end up. I'm just not really sure when. Uh, is this Bo Nix's job? It's just a matter of time. It could be. I mean, I can tell you that at least internally. Um, and obviously, Gus is going to have his hands and fing- all the fingers on on this offense again. And I can tell you, just um, you know, talking with him and some of the staff this off season, I sense a, I don't know, a rejuvenation because now Gus is doing what he likes to do most, and that's 
work with the offense, the quarterbacks, and and call plays. Um, he loves Bo Nix. I mean, I, I I think he just thinks that, um, you know, the sun rises and sets with him. He thinks he's a really good athlete. He thinks that he can do everything that they want this um, this offense to do. Of course, uh, Patrick Nix's son is. Um, you know, pure and, you know, true, tried and true Auburn guy. Uh, I don't know again, how quickly it's going to happen. Um, but I, but I imagine that's where it'll go. Now, Joey Gatewood is also a guy that they like has been in a little bit more into the system uh, a little longer. So I don't know where it's going to start. And obviously they've got a challenging start. Uh, so I'm, I'm, that's one of the reasons why, uh, I'm very, very curious to see that Auburn-Oregon game in Ar- in Arlington because you're seeing an Oregon team that has a good, very talented quarterback in Oregon with a very good offensive line, got some weapons. Um, Auburn's got a little bit better defense, but the defense may have to carry it away a little bit, and how much they're going to throw to either one of the quarterbacks that they start is going to be interesting. But I-, I tell you, keep an eye out. Let's, this quarterback situation, as we talked about last segment, you, you put, let's say, a Bo Nix where he is maybe a little bit more ready and advanced, and you better start throwing in Auburn into the conversation. We know Auburn is a uh, you know feast or famine type team. This might be a feast type of year. Their defense is good enough. They've got depth at running back. They don't have a great one that's established yet, although I think Booby Whitlow can be that type of guy. Um this Auburn team could really ascend and maybe surprise some people. And then maybe they're a nine or a 10 win team. If the quarterback play allows it to be. Um, I want to get to some commitments with, with Tennessee and uh, Alabama. And first though, I, I want to ask you about the Auburn situation. Um, Gus Malzahn said he would definitely uh, name a starter. And the way he said it, I don't want to read too much into it, but almost made it seem like he wanted to go in one specific path uh, as you know through the remainder of the season in case somebody I guess really ascends or somebody gets hurt but he said he definitely uh, wanted to, to name a starter uh, in camp and that, that gives me the feeling Chris that he doesn't want this to be a derby that goes back and forth throughout the season how tough is that to manage you've, you've been around a situation yeah. like that yeah you two schools of thought. One, you know, what's going to benefit your team? It's so, all right, you've got, first of all, when people say, well, when are you going to name? Well, the, the reality is somebody's got to win the job. Somebody's got to win the team. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, well, it's a coach's decision. It's really a player's decision. It's a coach's decision, but it's on the player's efforts and results. So somebody's got to earn it. Um, I always was leery about saying, you know, internally or having head coach say, you know, name a guy because you don't know. You put yourself a time frame and the time frame's not there. Well, he said he would name him by two weeks into practice and he hasn't. Oh, my God. No one must be playing well. Yeah. I mean, it just becomes like, you know, that's the whole story. Nobody cares about the moves you might make on the offensive line. But the quarterback, oh, my God, what's happening? What's going on? Why? What happened today? Who had the better day? <laughs> it's, just, it's just nuts. Well, if you've got a guy that you feel like is better, then, you know, I, I think it, it certainly internally you're going to have to decide early enough to give the number one guy number one reps. I don't think people get you don't 
get better by splitting reps. When you have to split reps evenly, you got to quickly ascend to somebody given 80, getting 80% of the reps, because if you don't, neither one are going to be prepared well enough to start the season, particularly against an opponent like Auburn has to start the season. So you got to kind of let it happen organically but once you have a guy, then then and you feel like the two schools of thought, you keep it in house. You know, you tell people it may get out, it may not, but you don't say anything. Keep your opponent guessing. Or if you feel like the guys need it, you say, "Here's my guy, quarterback A. He's the guy. He's going to lead us. And quarterback B is our backup. We like him, but this is how we're going to do it." And it kind of sends the message, not outwardly, but inside, that hey, maybe if it's a young guy that maybe needs that boost of confidence and saying, Hey, you're my guy. So it really comes down to once the players organically earn it and win it, uh, somebody truly is number one and number two, that's all relative. It may not be as either one may not be as ready as you want, but somebody's going to earn it. And then getting the number one and number two reps established and then deciding whether you want to put it out there or not last year, you know, you saw Alabama in that same situation. We forget. Last year at this time, what was the biggest question in college football? Is it Tua? Is it Jalen? You know, we kind of forget that now. That's that's old history. But I think that what they'll decide is just kind of organically the best way to figure out. And it's pretty obvious that Gus has figured out, look, we're, we're going to, with these guys, they're young. Uh, I'm going to put my stamp on either one of those guys and make it known to give them confidence. So that's it just depends on knowing your team and how they're going to react. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things uh, shake out. I've, I've seen firsthand, if you go back and forth uh, with quarterbacks, that that can really undermine a team too. I, I'm sure he yeah. wants to avoid that. So um, before we jump to those uh, commitments to Tennessee and Alabama, um, an offensive line uh, injury at Auburn, that's never good. No, it's not. And, uh, you know, looking at uh, Austin Troxel, he's going to miss the season due to a torn ACL. He had the spring game. It was hoped that maybe we'll see how it develops, but he's been ruled out. So tough for them. It's a pretty solid group. I think they're going to have a better year, but their depth hurt a little bit. And then uh, injury uh, at South Carolina, too. Yeah, Jalen Dickerson has got the hip injury that we knew about. He's sophomore. Good-looking player, but um, he had the, the he's been ruled out for the fall campaign. He was sidelined for his true freshman campaign because of a shoulder injury. So tough, you know. Football is um, it's tough on the body, and this young man's got some ability. And now uh, we're going to see uh, next spring is is going to be his next shot to kind of make his way back and wish him the best. But he's gone for the year as well. Mm. Uh, um, I know that what we think about guys get hurt in spring and. Uh, fall, but uh, man, these summer workouts with the really good intense teams can be pretty uh, physical as well. Uh, Alabama's uh, kick return situation, um, you know, I guess their place kicking, if there's been anything to knock that yeah. uh, program about, that's been it. But th- you would think they have plenty of athletes to line somebody up back there to be a good kick returner. Yeah, they, they like to, they've traditionally like to use, uh, and a lot of people do, running backs on the kick return. Um, punt returns usually a little bit more receiver, defensive back oriented, depending, you know, the eye-hand coordination, 
you know, obviously the D, the coverage unit is right upon you when you're receiving punts. Kicks, uh, not so much, um, and it's usually running backs. But they are working uh, Jalen Waddle and Henry Ruggs with the backs, and it's going to be interesting because those guys are really fast, along with their backs. But, you know, we may see them work one of those guys in with their depth at receiver and their playmaking ability. Um You've you got some big play potential there, more so than the backs, which are going to get you the good starting position at the 30, 35. You know, we got some, you know, big play potential with these receivers on kick return. So let's watch for uh, Waddle and Ruggs maybe going a little bit more of the receiver route in the return game for Alabama this year. Stay tuned. He's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. Go to that website, learn more about football. I'm Dave Hooker. Uh, coming up, some more uh, news and notes. And also, uh, we will have uh, step into the film room with a look at Ole Miss. We preview every SEC team. Season's almost here. Stay tuned. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast. You are locked on SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast. Ball's almost here telling you just about a month away and you should look good go to twillery.com use a locked on promo code and get 25 dollars off your purchase of some fantastic shirts again the locked on promo code and i uh, just go to twillery.com and go to landryfootball.com and if, if you don't join there then i i gotta wonder what you're thinking because it is absolutely the best information for football be it nfl college or uh, recruiting, which before I started working with Chris on the podcast, I didn't know he uh, followed it that closely, but he does. So you can get all the information uh, right there. And Chris, a uh, former scout, coach, uh, the whole nine yards, he's done it all, team exec uh, in football. So, uh, again, you need to get on board with LandryFootball.com. Ole Miss. Wow. I will say this. At SEC Media Days, I didn't sense a lot of uh, optimism. Uh, about the Rebels. What do you think of uh, Ole Miss's upcoming year? Yeah, I'm worried about them. I, I really am worried about their future because, you know, um, A, think about what they are losing. And I know you think about a team that, all right, look, last year they were 5-7, and 1-7 seven, and seven in the SEC. So, yeah, well, how good could they have been? I mean, look at the NFL and look at the, not the good players, but superstar type players like A.J. Brown that they're losing. Um, you know, uh, you know, Matt Corral comes in, going to take over the offense. Obviously, Rich Rodriguez is, is going to run this offense now. He's a good kid, a competitive kid, but they're replacing some big-time receivers, and they've got a couple of good ones. Um, I think they should be able to run the football fairly well. Scotty Phillips is a good back. We've talked about Jerry and Ely and the fact that he's going to focus, the, the great true freshman is going to focus on football. So I think they should be able to run the football. I want to see what Rich Rod can do. We know he's had success before with offenses, um, but, you know, he's um, going to have to – it's going to be quite challenging. I, I think Mike McIntyre is a really good defensive coordinator, but um, – this is a tough deal. I mean, it's just, there's just not the talent there and they're, they're recruiting. Okay. But I think we're starting to see the effects as we always do. When you have any sanctions or any issues, it has a few years effects down the road. They're, they're facing it right now. And, and here's the thing about it. Matt Luke's an Ole Miss guy. And I said, when they hired him, it made sense 
to hire him because that was in a very tumultuous situation post Hugh Freeze's exit and how he exited. And Matt's an old Miss guy. He understood the landscape. He wasn't going to get frustrated. He was going to going to take them through the rough patch. Now they're kind of the future. They can go out, go to bowl games and recruit with the, with the numbers that they need to. But you know, what is their future of this coaching staff? You've heard me say this before. I'm sorry, but I don't see Rich Rodriguez and Mike McIntyre long range as Ole Miss coordinators. You know, so where does that take them? Uh, how successful will they be? Will one of them maybe be a candidate to replace Matt? Will, if they struggle, will they all be gone? Will they both take other jobs? I mean, there's a lot of directions that this could go. I think that the Ole Miss future if they need to make a move will probably it'll be a more attractive job than it was when they just put Matt in that position because they're sanction free but I just worry about them uh the hard part is you know starts now with this team I think it's kind of a rebuild I think it's a rebuild that is like you know what we saw with Tennessee you know when when you know last year maybe even a little bit worse I mean, I, I think it's schematically somewhat like Georgia Tech. I mean, I think it's a big-time repeal. And I, if I were to say what program right now concerns me the most, Arkansas's in a rebuild, but they have their coach. They At least they have their plan. But I think Ole Miss, and we're going to see early on when Ole Miss and, and Arkansas play, uh, where this plays out the September 7th. But I think Ole Miss is in really bad shape. Uh, I, I think that they've got – a, a potentially good running game, a new scheme. I think Muhammad Sanago at, at, at inside backers, a really good player, but their offensive line needs to be rebuilt. They're going to have to rely on true freshmen for their depth. That's always a struggle. Um, you know, I think that uh, they've got a couple of guys in the secondary that can provide a lift, but I, I think that this is, you know, I give a lot of credit to Matt to say, Hey, look, I'm going to go hire guys that can help. And it's not an ego thing. But, you know, it's it's going to be very, very difficult. Other than Arkansas, <clears throat> the, everybody on their schedule, certainly in the conference, including Vanderbilt, certainly Missouri, um, I think even Mississippi State, all have a better roster than Ole Miss. So I think it's going to be quite the challenge. Out of conference, Dave, going to Memphis, I that's a scary game because that's a game they're not going to get national credit for winning, maybe not even regional credit. i got to tell you, Memphis is a better team. Uh, I, I, I'd be surprised if Ole Miss beats Memphis. I think Memphis, you know, I think Southeast Louisiana is the only given win on their schedule, and New Mexico State. There's only two wins that I would say roster-wise they got it. And so I, I think the re- their question mark games at Arkansas, I think Cal's defense is better than Ole Miss, um, but their offense is not very good. That's a possibility of a win being at home. Um, and I really don't give them a, 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 that good of a shot against Vanderbilt or Mississippi State unless those teams have big injuries. And I know the Egg Bowl is throw the records out and all that, but I get a feeling by the end of the year, Ole Miss is going to want to be throwing the records out. Yep. <clears throat> I'm afraid you're right. And, and I, you know, I like Matt Luke a lot, but, uh, and I agree with you, um, that it was, uh, it was pretty gutsy to go out and hire some guys that have, uh, had more success and a better resume than him. But in the end, are they really 
really on your side or are they on their side? That And I, and I don't know either of them personally, but that just is kind of human nature. And, and if they're successful, like, you know, if one side of the ball is like really doing a good job of, I use the term up coach, that, you know, then they're going to use that to get another gig. Like in their case, they hope to get a head coaching job somewhere. Or if they, you know, I don't know that they make a move for a coordinator job, but I could absolutely see some one of those guys get maybe like an elite, you know, like one of the top jobs. If one of the top coordinators or one of these big, you know, programs, I could see them making a move there and, and maybe even leaving for another coordinator job. Um, and, and, but both of those guys have been head coaches. I think it helps Matt. I think it's a good move for Matt. But what I'm saying, long range, if it's the the best scenario is that he helped it helps them show some positives, but they're gonna move on, and then Matt's gonna have to find another version of that, and that lack of continuity is probably not gonna bode well for it. May buy him another year, but probably not much more than that. Mm, I would agree. That's your locked on SEC football podcast. Please leave us a review and. Please tune in each and every weekday and check out the Locked On Big Ten football podcast as well. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. Have a fantastic day, everyone.